All right. It's fun when it starts like this for me, when I, when I know Spirit's present to share, because it comes in a certain way for me when I know it's for me to share. And most of the time I have pretty much the information and awareness of what it is, but I don't today. <laughs> so it's always more fun in that process when, it, when it's like that, you know, and I just know all I need to do is start talking and then it, you know, the, the ball gets rolling, so to speak, in that way. So, so that's what I'm doing. I'm just going to see how it unfolds as I get going in that, in that movement. Because, you know, maybe that's a good place to start is this saying, you know, in true spirit's always present for each of us. But sometimes the spirit is present for each of us. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to do something. Sometimes it means just be present with spirit because that's all inside. Regardless of what we're doing or not doing in the world, it's what are we doing inside? Are, are we being present with spirit? That's really the key here because we can do that at any time. Just like I'm describing right now. And there are times as we allow ourselves to be more present with spirit inside that we really begin to discover how to participate with that when it comes to maybe expressing it, maybe not expressing it, maybe saying something, maybe not saying something. In other words, you know, more along those lines of when we look inside for what shall I do here? What's my intuition say? What's my gut feeling? This or that or, you know, those types of things. Well, you know, what I found, just like I'm saying now, sometimes I don't have a clue, even though I know I'm present with spirit. But then as I start to participate and take action, then I open that door to allow that movement of loving now to unfold within me and just to discover however that looks in the world. But if you can really get the gist of what I'm saying here, how it moves within, that's always the key. Most of the time we look for an outer expression or a creative action, something to do with that dynamic inside of ourselves. And that's often where we lose focus is because we keep looking outside of ourselves. We look for the expression of it rather than the experience of it. Big difference, expression and experience. To me, the way I'm describing experience is more that inner awareness and movement within my own consciousness. But many of us, as we're, in a sense, awakening to what that inner knowing is within ourselves, often find that when we participate in some type of creative expression, we will begin to feel or become more aware in some way. And that's why often we'll get hooked into an outer expression or creative action in the world because as we give it expression, we're giving life to that which we're expressing or creating here. And so those things of it enlivens us. We become more vitalized or enthused because we're now allowing that energy to move within us and outside of us. But really, it's all within. But the key here is to really be aware of what that is, but also realize there's another direction to go with it. Because anytime we give it movement or expression in the world, that's a down and out direction, which is fine because it's still a movement of loving from when that's when we're coming from. We can also come from the ego, the mind, the emotions, imagination, or body, and that outer expression as well. So in all of that, we always have to pay attention and begin to discover what part of ourselves are we expressing. But then when we really want to come to know more of the spiritual part of ourselves, that's when we have to now turn around literally 180 degrees to begin to turn away from the outer expression and now move into that inwards and upwards because there's a movement there too. And that's truly what we call the expression or the action of loving. The true movement of loving, the greatest movement of loving is where we, the soul, share our loving with God. That is the greatest, the purest form, if you will, is really just spirit to spirit, nothing to do with this world. But as we are always focused down and out into the world, we're always looking to see where we can express it here. And that's great. That's fine. But it's also going to keep getting us to participate. That's called karma. It's how we create karma. We keep creating here. We keep creating here. Everything we do is a creation and expression of the spirit of who we are, the good and the bad, all of it, the good and the bad. 
the challenge is or the trap is when we judge our expression, when we judge our creations, if you will, even when we call something good, let alone when we call it bad. Oh, that's a bad one. So what do we usually do? We usually go into fear or some kind of reaction that we want to get rid of that bad expression or not good or however you want to call it. So as soon as we do that judgment, it starts to create a separation or puts a wedge in between us and our own creative flow, our own soul that is in a movement or an action of loving. And so we shut that part of ourselves down is what we do. We literally shut that part down or suppress ourselves. No matter what you call it, suppression, repression, avoidance, disconnection, separation, all of that. It's just really, in a sense, shutting ourselves down to the greater flow of spirit, not only within us, but as we even express it in the world. So we have to love. That's why we always share about loving, acceptance, and forgiveness. Is all those areas where we have shut down or created separation within ourselves of whatever that is that we're in reaction with. So we just need to pay attention to that, but then also to do something with it. The loving, accepting, the forgiving. It's through those actions that we begin to once again embrace or make whole that part of ourselves that we separated from. We just got to bring it back in. Just think of hugging. Just like you would hug anybody here. You want to do that with every aspect of yourself. You want to embrace it. You want to hug it to bring it back into your beingness. But we find that challenging when we're in judgment or fear of that which we've created. And so that's really the struggle we're in with. Loving, that's easy. Loving and accepting and forgiving, that's easy. There's no challenge there. It's that other stuff. That's the challenge. It's what we do with that. But in a moment ago, I was just saying also about the good. Most of the time we think about the bad that we judge and fear and judge ourselves or judge our creations. But what about the good? What about the things that we create or do that we go, oh, I'm proud of that. Yeah, we, we all have all heard about what pride does, right? Yeah, you start to, in the good, in a sense, you can begin a process of worshiping or cherishing, adoring, adoration. Even those things that are good, we can begin to get so focused on the good that we've created, we get attached to it. Anybody here have kids and love their kids and say, wow, this is a great creation here? Any attachment there, moms, let alone dads? Uh-huh. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah, that's what we do. So kids are a great example. And not always. Some of us want to get rid of those kids. You know, but it's either way. Just other things we create, you know, whether it's artwork or writing or we do a good job with whatever our work is. It's like, hey, job well done. So we even have to watch those actions of goodness if we get attached to them. See, anytime there's good or bad, right or wrong, any of that, that's still polarity. So we have to watch even the good things because we always think, oh, I've got to do good. I've got to create good. I've got to do service because that's good, right? If I don't do service, I'm selfish and that's bad. These are all the things that we do in ourselves. It's just what the world does. But if we pay attention, and this is why it's important besides the meditation, to also we talk about this as a threefold path, meditation, self-study, and service. It's important to pay attention to the self-study and service as well. And as you heard in Jim's talk, the meditation, and what is the greatest service we can do? The meditation. So we've got service taken care of there, really, because truly, the truest action of service simply is that movement of loving. Not physical things that we do, not kind words that we say, not the things we do to help each other in the physical world, but the action of loving, the spirit within. That's the true service. Now, as we do physical actions of service that come from that place of loving, well, then those are even better. I know I'm using the word better, right? Now we're into comparisons, better or worse than. But, you know, it's good to pay attention to that as well. Because ultimately, better or worse, 
is going to say better, for better or for worse, like in wedding vows, right? But that place of neutrality is where we want to come to so that it's not only judging better or worse, good or bad, but we come to the place of accepting all of our creation, good and bad. So go ahead and judge it as good and bad. We're not going to stop doing that. Anybody here ever been able to? Remember all those old techniques like your rubber band on your wrist? Did you guys ever do that with snapping a rubber band every time you have a negative thought or something or a judgment or something? You know, so, so is that pain really? Is that supposed to be a positive motivator? Or is this just another negative motivator, right? Two negatives make a positive, so maybe it is. I don't know. But it's funny, all these little things we do that we come up with, and yeah, they, they can be good. They can bring our awareness to what we're doing within ourselves. Because we've got to call on ourselves, in other words, call ourselves out of our process. Because we can all go hide and pretend in front of everybody. Oh, me? No, I, I, yeah, I never snap my rubber band because I'm perfect. I never have any negative thoughts or anything. Yeah, we can do that in ourselves. But what good does it do, whether you do it outwardly or inwardly? That's why we want to begin to look about going beyond the positive and the negative. You know, it's, it, it's funny. The way this world works often is the negative that will often motivate us more than the positive. You ever find you're more motivated when you're in pain or fear than if you're in your joy? You know, you can be in your joy. It's like, oh, yeah, I want to just be in my joy. But when you've got pain or some type of fear running you, you're going to do everything you can to get out of that. That's what I have found, at least. And so it's like, well, gosh, if that's true, if the negative or the pain motivates us so much, is that really bad then? It's like, no, that's a good motivation. My gosh, look at that. That motivated me to do something about the situation or circumstance that I'm in or that is within me. So that's the beneficial. I'm going to change my words right now. The beneficial part rather than the good part. Because we can find that in anything, negative or positive. But eventually, those of you that have done a lot of these things and been around a long time, we've tried all these programs, you've probably found your back and forth with all these things. And then after a while, you probably start giving up on the techniques. Or maybe you go back to them thinking, well, it seemed to work for me back then. Maybe I could go back again and see if it'll work again. And you go back and try something you did in the past, and you just sit there snapping that rubber band or whatever the technique is, and you go, you ain't doing anything. Something wrong with me? Is it a bad rubber band? Maybe I'll get a new rubber band. Will that make it work better? Maybe a different colored rubber band. And we'll do all these things. And we'll pull out our journals and write it all about the journal, about the different colored rubber bands and how it made me feel inside when I snapped it or I didn't snap it. <laughs> we do all these things. And, you know, it's wonderful, really, that we do all these things because what is really going beyond, what is going on within ourselves behind all of these things that we do, what's really going on there? Well, that's the key. If we can just step back into that process that's really relying on, well, let me rephrase that, that's really behind all these other things we do, the expressions, isn't that what we're really going for? Isn't that what we're after? is what's behind all that, what's underneath all of that, what's beyond all of that, that we're doing all these techniques and things with ourselves and in our lives. Wouldn't it be funny? Or wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be easier just to let go of all that other stuff we do and just go right into that place that is underlying all of it, why we do all these things? No, 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 it can't be that easy. That's too simple, right? We got to do all these techniques and outer things out here because in the doing of that, we feel like something's going on. And when we are doing something where we feel like we're being productive, outer expression again, we tend to give more credit and value to that. Oh, 
felt it. I expressed it. I wrote it down. I did something. But then when we sit there in the peace of meditation, just laying back, looking like we're asleep, chanting the sacred name, watching the purple light, just feeling the peace, maybe not even feeling, maybe it's just neutral. And then we get done with meditation, we're like, God, that's boring. Nothing went on. Nothing happened. I didn't have any great out-of-body experience or some big illumination or something. I've heard that one so many times. And then we discredit the very thing we call peace, neutrality, loving, acceptance, detachment, unconditional loving. Here we are right in it, in that peace where it seems like not much is going on. We're in it. We're living it. But because it's so subtle or it doesn't have this great ahas and movements and these rushes of energy, we don't feel all this power that we think, okay, well, there's not really a whole lot there. I want to feel it. Especially me. I am a feeler. I will feel that movement inside of me. But you see, that feeling in this level is that action of the Holy Spirit of loving now moving on the magnetic light, the chi force, the energies of the world. It uses the polarity to ride in here. That's what the soul does. The soul is the neutral loving of the spirit. And it comes into this realm of polarity to have experience. So it experiences through polarity, but yet it is always neutral. The soul is always neutral. There's no charge on the soul. It's through that movement, that feeling, that dynamic of the polarity that makes us think or believe something is going on. And so when we don't feel that, or there's the lack of that dynamic, we think nothing's going on. So maybe it's not working. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe something's wrong with me. And we have the darndest time trying to figure out and do this path of love, this path of sound and light, this path of neutrality. So much of the time we don't know if we're doing it or not doing it. We're doing something right or we're doing something wrong because there doesn't seem to be too much feedback in this level of consciousness. And so we don't know if we're on course or off course. Anybody here not understand at all what I'm talking about? That's why we always have the questions. What's my next steps? What's the guidance? What's the direction? Should I do this or should I do that? Maybe you shouldn't do any of it, those things you're asking questions for. Maybe all we need to do is go back in and up and turn away from the down and out expression. Well, guess what? That's the true action of meditation. The true action of meditation that we want to do is let go of that down and out focus, let go of the outer expression, let go of creativity, and now move into that place of neutrality and turning our attention upwards towards God. And really, in truth, that is the greatest creative expression that the soul can do or participate in. In truth, it's not even creativity because the soul is loving. It's an expression of loving. But as that loving comes into this world through this movement of polarization and reflection, it creates image and form. But in that backwards movement, often as it appears, or the inwards and upwards movement of spirit, we are now pulling that energy of creativity out of the world of reflection and now point it back to ourselves. This is what I was talking about, the embracing and hugging. You're pulling it back, so you're embracing and making yourself whole once again of where you have diverted all your energies into the world. So you now pull that back, and now focus it in and up. So you're still in an action of creativity, but you're creative expressing your loving now to God rather than to the objects and the things and the circumstances in the world. Here's the funny thing. It is the same action... Just like we would love something in the world, it's the same action of expressing our loving, but now we're just expressing it with God rather than something here in the world. 
And that's why you always hear us and hear us say, God first and God only. One-pointed focus. Make God that one-pointed focus. And as you do that in meditation, well, automatically, those things that you've been caught up in, that you've created, that you're attached to in the world, good and bad, it will begin to just drop away. Because as the soul focuses its loving on God, well, all that loving that's been caught up in its creation in this world, in the down and out, is now withdrawn and now given up to God. And then those other things just start to fall away. And for the things that don't just fall away, well, in truth, it's often because there's some part of us unconsciously still running a pattern. Really, karma is unconscious. We have all these attachments and desires and fears and judgments running unconsciously that we don't even have a clue of. And as we now focus loving inside and up to God, those things that were once unconscious begin to rise up to the consciousness. And we both like it and we really hate it at the same time because it brings up all the good things we really like and it also brings up all the bad things we really don't like. And that's where we get challenged. It's usually when the bad things that come up that we don't like is where we get challenged. But you see, if we could just keep loving God and stay in that inwards and upwards flow long enough, all those good and bad things we like and don't like, as they come up and rise to the surface, well, they will keep rising up as we hold that focus long enough and give God or Spirit or the loving the opportunity to lift them. How do you think they're lifted? It's you lifting them. You, the loving, as you lift your loving up to God, it lifts all of those things within you that you've created back up to be dissolved, dispersed, released, freed up. In truth, all that reflection came out of nothingness. There was nothing there. And as the light of spirit shone upon this lake of reflection, this world, that light as it hits that surface creates reflection. I always give the example of like looking on the top of water, it often looks like a lake. That's why this creation is often called the lake of reflection or the sea of light. It appears as water. But then if you go into the water and you turn upside down and you look at the surface of the water, you can see the light beyond it, but it's all kind of distorted because of the movement of the water or the reflection. So it distorts it. And then when the sunlight hits the top of the water, all of a sudden it diffracts and all these different beams, arrays of light start shooting every which way as they go down and down and down. If you haven't done that, go in a pool or in a lake or something where the water's clear enough and just go a foot or two or whatever underneath and look up at the sun. So it'd have to be a day, obviously, without clouds in the sky. But look up in the sun and to see what I'm talking about, how it distorts how the sun looks and it makes it move. But then when the rays of light hit the surface of the water and what happens to that light when it hits the water and all of a sudden you see all these different rays of light and they're diffracting all over the place. That's a really clear, good example of what actually happens as the light of spirit now hits the surface of the lake of reflection here and comes into this creation. And often... All those different rays of light, one way to look at it too is like this, our own soul as a sun. We're one light, one soul, one sun. And when we look down on the top of the water, we see that. And then as we go into the water, our own light, as it hits that surface, diffracts in all these different rays. Well, you know, in the Jewish faith where they talk about collecting the shards, where the soul has dis dispersed itself, all the crystallizations, the crystals, the different beams of light. Those are each creations that we, the soul, have sent forth through our own light and given life to the reflection that was originally nothing. But is that light, the soul that we are, that gives life to all this reflection? And so as we begin to pull that life out of it and return it back up to the source, then all of a sudden the reflection just drops away because... The reflection cannot reflect without light. 
You pull away the light, there's no reflection. There's nothing there. It's just darkness. It's void. And the earth was void and without form. I like to talk about details like this because I have seen it and experienced it this way. So I share from what I know and what I've seen. And it's funny because they're so practical and simple examples that we can all relate to. And some of us, we have those inner experiences and see that. And so hopefully as you hear that shared here, and if you have one of those experiences, you go, oh my gosh, I remember hearing about this. This is what that is that they were talking about. And then guess what when we do that? We move into acknowledgement and acceptance, and then in doing that is how we begin to embrace it. And that's how we begin to set ourselves free. Because if we don't have at least an idea or an understanding of some sort, we will often hold back in a protective mode, a reactive mode, a fearful mode, not knowing what this is that we are having experience with. So we will hold on and hold back. And in doing so, we shut ourselves off from really having that greater experience of awakening. So pay attention to these. That's why it's always relax, let go, let God. Let God, let God, start with God. Because most of the time, if we're not looking towards God and we work on relaxing and letting go, we're in fear of like, well, what's going to show up then? What's going to come in that opening that I've now just opened inside of myself as I let go? What's going to come in to fill that space? That's why it's up to us to keep choosing spirit, to keep choosing God, to keep choosing the loving so that the loving comes into all those places that we open up to allow ourselves to be filled and to allow ourselves to let go of all those creations we no longer wish to hold on to. But just like Jim was sharing earlier, those old parts, boy, they will kick and scream and fight to hang on because they are fighting for dear life. Because without you giving them your attention or your loving, they don't have life. And as you remove that attention and of loving, of focus, it kills them, literally. That's what happens. And so that part of us knows that it's dying. That part that is the mind, the emotions, the imagination, the body, the ego, the unconscious, it knows it's dying and it's struggling to hang on. It's struggling for life. And that's where it gets challenging. That's the true struggle is when those things kick up inside of us. And so we often think, oh, killing, that's a horrible thing. We don't want to do that. Well, hopefully after today, you might have a little different perspective around death. But you've heard that phrase, to kill it with love. That's what we're doing here. It's the peaceful action of removing that life force that has given this karmic expression or pattern, whatever you want to call it, life. That's all we're doing. And the more we do that, you will have all kinds of awarenesses and experiences, whether in the body or out of the body or in the dream state or in meditation or whenever. In the shower, a lot of people do that in the shower and all of a sudden you get these awarenesses. I've described over the years of seeing these things that as a life is removed, they literally just poof, dissolve right before my eyes. Some of you are, have been having those experiences, I've heard. Other things, you may have literally had the experience of killing something inside of you, shooting it, stabbing it to death, strangling it, whatever. Just like you'd like to do to some people, right? I know. The funny thing is, is you do that inside. Do you ever find yourself in a dream literally killing somebody or something? Well, that's what's happening. You're really, in a sense, cutting off the life force that you've been giving to this creation. Even if it looks like a specific person, you're not actually killing or harming them. You are killing or removing the life force that you have put into what they represent. There's the karmic lesson. This is why it's important to begin to get a grasp of symbolism and beginning to look at your dreams and your experiences, beginning to find some level of understanding with the symbology of your own inner experience 
Some things are very direct, but some things are very symbolic. And so it can be good to begin to, as part of your program or process of self-study, begin to look at and be aware of how these things unfold in you and your dreams and your daily waking life and begin to get a greater understanding of what these mean. And that's why we like to talk about that from time to time or often when we move into Q&A, that it's wonderful when people bring forward a experiential dream or something to begin to look at the symbols. I know we all get a lot out of that, but it can mean different things. They don't all mean the same thing. Just like we can put one person in the middle of the room, and that person can be a symbol for each of us and mean something different to every single one of us. You get one person, some people like them, some people hate them. So that one person can be symbolic of many different things. It's according to each individual. Does that make sense? But it's still just one person. But how come they can be interpreted so many different ways? Likes, dislikes, hates, loves, and all these different things. But yet it's still the same person. So we have to look at what that symbolizes to us, not somebody else, because we will each have our own projection of what that is to us. So it's good to hear other people's experiences to start getting an idea of how we can begin to interpret symbols and dreams and inner experience, but also understand it may be unique to us what our own symbols are. We can't take them in general senses. Just like a lot, I know there's a lot of dream books out there nowadays. Those can help to a degree. They may give us an idea, but then also we got to begin to look at and study our own and begin to decipher or interpret the language of dreams that it is revealing to ourselves. So just be aware of that as you maybe embark upon any process of uh, dream interpreting or dream symbology of any kind or your inner experiences as well. And if you're not sure, this is what time for Q&A is or emails or whatever. It's good to pay attention to because sometimes you're better to talk about it than taking something too literally. A lot of people, and I did this for a while, years back, where I take a lot of my dreams as very literal and try to make them physical experiences. Oh, man, that you want to create a challenge for your physical life? Do that. <laughs> yeah, things don't quite line up trying to do it that way because it doesn't work that way. It's good to pay attention to these and always ask questions if you're not sure. Check it out. Ask questions. Get the clarity inside of you. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to explore and experiment, to discover what that is for you. It's a big key there. I've seen too many people, including myself for many years, interpret things in a different way because it was really more my wish or fantasy and it wasn't really what it was. And so I was just misdirecting or misleading myself through my own desires and wants and fears and judgments. But then it takes a great vulnerability and openness to all of a sudden say, okay, what's really going on here? And then begin to expose ourselves to somebody else, right? That's a big one. Most of us are too scared to do that. That's why, you know, I know we don't do a lot in ILM, like personal growth workshops and stuff. I would highly recommend everybody go do something where you're going to, in a sense, open yourself. It's scary, but it's also very liberating. It's good to do. But if you don't do a program here, that's why we even do Q&A. Q&A and even sharing here can be the same thing for a lot of us. Sometimes, I remember years ago when I was learning this, I just picked the microphone, even if I didn't have a question or anything. I said, I just want to do it and stand up so I can expose myself. Not literally, but deeper than that, beyond that literal sense. To really be more open and vulnerable, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, as well as physically. And that's where I was somewhere going back ways about taking action. So if we can begin to see that this is all an inner thing, but then realize that sometimes doing the outer things can support us in beginning to wake up and learn through that movement. That's why I say having fun with the rubber bands and all these different things we've all done over the years. Because they can be wonderful. It gets our attention there. Picking up a microphone and standing in front of a group. It's an action. It does something inside of ourselves, right? 
what well, is that inner thing, thing that's going on. That's why we take these outer actions to stir the inner. Because often it's when we are stagnant that we don't have any awareness. It's just through the movement, through the movement of consciousness that we have awareness. When it's stagnant, there's no awareness. Well, there is. You'll be aware of the stagnation of what's going on. As I said earlier, however, spirit in this level in our consciousness can be so quiet and subtle that we can miss it, misinterpret it, mislead ourselves thinking it's something that it's not. I hope I've been describing that well enough today. These are all the things we do. I still watch myself to this day. I always have to. As we're in this body, there's always, always been hidden elements in my emotions in my body that will do that. Yeah, we ever have to be watchful. Pay attention. You know, the, the signposts are really easy. Anytime you're in struggle, reaction, fear, judgment, not knowing, confusion, name it. You're focused on and caught up in something in this world of reflection. That's that simple. When you're here in the peace, when you're near that one more fuzzy, when you see that depth of light, those are the signposts that you know you're really going to that focus and neutrality of loving your spirit. But the big, big one I always say is giving ourselves enough time to hold that focus to really, really wake up. It's just like you did about a half hour meditation a day. You can get to a really peaceful place and that provides the loving and neutrality. But sometimes it's not enough time to really go into greater depth of experience where we wake up. You know, the whole phrase would be to share today, peace, peace, Well, first we have to move into that peace and stillness. Because that's how you let go of this radiation. This radiation always is movement. There it is, like we talked about today, back or forth and pendulum swings. And so we've got to rise above it to that place of stillness. Coming to the bottom of the pendulum right at the top there, that's not movement. It's just this ringing of the weight at the end of the move. The top of the pyramid capstone, one point. We gotta get to that, that place. That, that place is stillness. Peace is still in the know the I am. That's where it begins. To where we know the I am. But the funny thing is, is once you come to the top of that, that pyramid, well, guess what happens? happens as soon as you go through that, that tip right there, that little, little point, point, it pops through, through the reflection, and then all of a sudden it's like flipping the pyramid over, and now it opens up all around the spirit. As above, all below. This world has always been to reflect backwards or the opposite of just like, like a mirror. You look at a mirror, mirror there's your image. Yeah, it looks like me, acts like me, well, not like me, but it's, it's the flip side of me. me. So when you look at the mirror, is your left side of the mirror? Is that the right side? side? Be aware of that. And then we'll move with the spirit, it'll seem backwards. You may, you may have had an experience. I did years, but I always travel backwards. Always moving backwards. I'm like, what's going on? You're backing out of this creation. You're just looking at the reflection. That's what I said. I'm looking at the reflection. But all the time, because I was loving God, I was moving towards God, even though I was backing towards God. And there's a day that each of us will stop backing into God and turn around on our face. The direction we go. And that's, and that's where we really, really wake up more directly. directly. And we see the faith of God. We see the loving, the truth. We have the inner knowing. Peace be still and wake up and know the I am. And the funny thing is, too, when you wake up into that, while I wait and still, you get up in spirit and it is just dynamic and movement. That's where you see the true action of creativity, of creation, and action. It's very, very busy. busy. That's so well. When you wake up, you'll be surprised how dynamic and active it is. But the huge difference is it's all energized. There's no such thing as tiredness of lack. There's no such thing as darkness. 
All these things that we describe in reflection, just like Jim was sharing about the shadows, none of that exists. It's only in this world. I remember the first time I moved into that house. I was just amazed at how active and dynamic that soul realm was. Oh my God, I was almost overwhelmed. You know, you know what? Climbing a mountain, climbing a pyramid, doing all the work. It tires you out, right? So by the time you get up to the frickin' top of it all, you're just worn out. But as soon as you stick your head up in the soul realm, it just brings life, because that's all there is. There's no such thing as the death, the illusion, the tiredness of this world. It's an amazing process. So be aware of that. As you move inside and really get in touch with, awaken to the soul of who you are, there is a process of going inwards and upwards and peace be still. And as you tap into that and you're in the stillness long enough, there'll be a point now where you will move up through it and awaken now to the greater dynamic, living, loving essence of the Lord. And you may be very energetic, very enthused, very inspired, and have the energy to continue on. That's the nice thing. When we go into meditation, we give ourselves the opportunity to revitalize, re-energize ourselves, because that's where the energy comes from, is the spirit. And the more we're disconnected, so to speak, from that, that's often where we'll find more of the tiredness. And as we are able to open those doors within our consciousness and allow more of that in, that's where we'll often find more of a dynamic vitality. And no, I'm not saying if you do that and you think you can do it all the time, the body can be eternal and you don't need any sleep and you always have all the energy you ever need. No, it doesn't quite work that way in this world. <laughs> that's in spirit once again. Again, that's why it can be challenging at times when we talk about this inner pathway because we have to be careful not to take it too literally on the physical realm. That's why I even talk about, we'll share examples. One of my favorite, where the example with Moses, freeing the slave and crossing the, sea, uh, the Red Sea. So we have the physical interpretation here in the world, but there's really a greater one spiritually. This is where it's good to learn the symbols. Because some of these things can be literal experiences in these other realms. Whereas the teacher, the Holy Spirit, through the form of the Master, can lead the disciple or the slave, that which is in bondage in the world. We're all enslaved here, the symbology, Egypt and the Pharaoh representing the world and the Lord of this world. The teacher, the one who can show the slaves out to liberate, to free them. And that Red Sea represents that sea of life, the lake of reflection. Often we talk about in the etheric realm or that great void. And as we part, and here as Moses raises staff, many of you have heard over the years we shared about the staff, is the sound and the light. That action of the Holy Spirit parts the waters, parts the Red Sea for that direct access through and as the soul moves through and beyond the Red Sea, it is moving now into the promised land, the soul realm. And here's even another little one. Remember, they got past the Red Sea, and then they were what? They were moving into the promised land, but yet they had the desert. What, for 40 years they had to wander through? They didn't really make it to the promised land? Well, you may have recalled Jim sharing over the years that there's four different levels in the soul realm even. And as we move into the first level, that's like the desert where they wandered because in that there's still remnants of the world that the soul is letting go of. And in that first level, those things of the world can still reach up and grab us. All the shadows, the reflections, they, it's like fish jumping out of the water. Things can come out of the water. So those things can literally reach up on that level and still grab us. But how do they grab us? They call our attention. When we give them our attention, we're giving them life. And as we do that, it pulls us right back into it. So as we see these things, we want to once again make the choice to let go of that and now choose the Spirit. Look up. Look towards that sun and keep moving towards that. 
That's why it's a desert, right? The sun's burning off the last remnants of the karma. So what are you doing? You're, that's the wandering of the desert to finish, to dissolve those karmas that we still are hanging on to or in a sense being tempted back into the world yet. And then as we work through those, the wandering depart, but we keep seeking the promised land. You just keep moving towards the sun, up pyramid, up the mountain, flying upwards. And as you do that, then eventually that time comes or if you let go of that and now you move beyond into the next level of the soul and then the next. And it's just a continuous step-by-step, step. just like you did from the seat of the soul here in the physical realm. You do the same thing through the astral realm. You move to the soul level of the astral realm, the very top, just like in the body, as above, so below. All these chakras, there's all these different levels. You want to bring it all up to here, to the soul level of any realm you're in. That's why we focus at the seat of the soul here in the physical body, because that's where the soul resides. So we do the same thing in any every realm. You keep moving towards that inner light. You just keep moving towards it. Go towards the light, right? We all have heard that and know that. But you keep doing it through every realm until you step through all the realms of reflection. And you keep on going, even in the soul realm. Because you want to keep going to the sun. That sun, that greater sun, is in the very top level of the soul realm. So you want to keep moving into that. And just keep going until you go through and into that sun that you see, no matter what realm you're on. That's always the key, is to go into that light. Because that light is where you merge into your own soul, and it is also a doorway by which now you leave that realm and now enter into the next. So even in the realm of soul, you continue that. You go into that light, and you merge into that beingness of God in the soul realm, where we, the divine spark, truly now merge back into the oneness where we are all one as soul and then we keep going even in the realms of spirit beyond the soul realm there's that continuous process of ever greater merging of ever greater oneness and that movement of loving where we truly the drop becomes one with the ocean and that's the journey we're on we just have to keep moving doing oh yeah you take your breaks you take a rest you do what you need to take care of yourself physically mentally and emotionally you don't have to push yourself here because you see here has nothing to do with there you can do all the fasting you want you can do all the negative cleansing you want you can do all the good things you want but that has nothing to do with the journey of the soul back home to god that just has to do with our process here in these worlds and we'll do them all we'll do it all it's just part of it. Because, again, here, as we do all these things, we feel like something's going on. We have experience of some kind. And we think, okay, all right, I'm on track. And then everything goes to hell again. And you go, what happened? It's because it was just part of the world. That's all. And this is what goes with the world. Just like Jim was sharing earlier, the world's always chaos. It's always been this way. Look at the headlines today, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, same headlines. Different details, but same headlines, same stuff. It just keeps going on and on here. But someday, and often this is how it works, we get so sick and tired of being caught up in the whirlwind, the tornado, the hurricanes, the earthquakes and tsunamis and everything else, the wars, everything. We get so tired of it, we just give up. And then we think, oh, that's a bad giving up. We're giving up hope. Yeah, why not? Give up hope. Give it up. Hope's an illusion anyway. What are you hoping for? Think about it. What do you hope for? You hope for world peace? You hope for better health? It's a fantasy. Hope is based on fantasy of what we wish, what we desire. So be aware of that. Because as long as you run hope, you're running a fantasy. Why do that? Why not go for the reality the truth of what really is going on behind, above, beyond, and through all of creation, all of it, and that's spirit. None of this would exist without spirit. So if we go for that, there's no need for hope, really. Sure, you can even do faith and trust. Those are good qualities, 
But if you're going to do any hope or faith or trust, do it all for God, all for your liberation, all for your awakening. Hope that you awaken. Have faith that you're going to get there. Trust in God. Those are good. So see, we can use those to the good or the bad, right? You want to give up hope and faith and trust, but yet at the same time, maybe you do. Oh, my God, what do I do, right? Then you get all confused. What do I do? You're going to do it all. It doesn't matter what you do. You're going to hope and faith and trust, and then you're just going to say, oh, screw it. I'm over this. It ain't working. I don't get what I want. And as soon as you do, something happens. Isn't it funny? Isn't it crazy making here all this stuff we do? But that's how we wake up and realize. That's the funny thing. I wish there was a way we could bypass all that. But my experience of this journey is that we go through it all. I always like to say, a big part of the journey of awakening to the light and the loving that you are is also awakening to the darkness and the illusion. It's all part of it. The big challenge is that when we see the darkness and illusion, we go into reaction and fear and doubt and wonder. But what I have found in all those years I was traveling backwards towards God, well, the day I turned around and woke up and faced God the way I was going, I found out it was the hand of God bringing me through it all. God was bringing me through the darkness. God was putting me into these negative, evil, horrible experiences. Why would God do that? I couldn't understand it. I was in so much judgment and reaction and fear when I went through it, when I didn't know that what was going on. I thought I had some negative evil force possessing me, holding me, bringing me through these terrible things. And then after years of that happening and the day I turned around and saw what was going on, I was just like, oh, my God. God was bringing me through it all along. And that's the key. God's bringing us through it all along, even when we don't realize it. It's just so funny. Not when you're going through it, it ain't funny. I know that. It sucks. But all of a sudden, the day you wake up and turn around and you realize that it really was God bringing through it, and you were sitting in the hand of God the whole time, even through all the terrible, yuck stuff. You're sitting in the hand of God, even through all that. And we keep asking God, please take it away, heal me, do this, do that, make it better. And God's sitting there going, I am, I'm bringing you through it all so that through your experience you wake up and know this part of my creation. And as you have the experience of this part of my creation and love this creation, all that I've created and all that I love, as you love that, that's how you get to wake up and know God. You've got to love all the creation to love God. You've got to love God to love all the creation. What's first, the chicken or the egg, right? That's the process. It's all of it. It's all of it. you got to just love it all. And that's why we say that over and over in here. you got to love it all. That's the only way to get free. And that may be a strong statement. That's the only way. Well, isn't there all kinds of ways? And they all lead to the same source. I'm going to hold my opinions to myself on that comment. Love is the way. Because love loves all the ways. So yeah, you can do all the ways, but what are those ways? They're just all the outer details of what everybody concocts in this world. But love expresses and exists in and through it all. So yes. In truth, there's only one way. And it's not ILM either. And it's not that church. And it's not this. Because those are organizations. Those are names. Those aren't the way. Loving is the way. Regardless of the name, the organization, the people. doesn't matter. Because that loving's in everything and everybody. It's what's behind and in and through it all. So we've got to go to that in order to really... I don't want to say... You know, sometimes I even hate using the word freedom. Because then automatically we can turn that into a positive negative and say, oh, then there's entrapment, right? Okay, I'm trapped, I'm free. That seems like polarity again. Till you put them this way. Okay, I'm trapped on here, free up here. Okay, well, what difference? 
That's why often in here you'll hear us talk about loving and awakening, knowing, experience, illumination. I think those are nicer words to describe a lot of what takes place because they don't have the connotation or charge, at least to me, of the positive negative. But at the same time, we want to acknowledge when a soul is asleep in this world, it often appears as bondage, entrapment, entangled, caught up, engaged, all those things. So we need to acknowledge that too. This is not a path of avoidance. It's not a path of making excuses. It's not a path of any of that. It is a path of truth, of understanding, of embracing, of acknowledging all things, acknowledging all of it. And that's where we have to come to inside of ourselves in order to really wake up and return into the oneness, to wake up and know ourselves as divine. And that's where the freedom is. In truth, we're not even entrapped. This is Jim always says, we've never left the heart of God. One day we'll wake up and know that. So if we're already in the heart of God, we never left, then how can we be trapped? That one is just put out there to screw with your mind. Because you'll wrap it around and play with it, play with it, until you get so sick and tired of doing that, you'll give it up, and then all of a sudden you get a little freer, right? That's what we do with all this stuff. You know, it's funny because we know we've only got three books in ILM right now, and we're in the process of putting together another book. Laura is for us. And um, we're going to come up with some more written materials over time, but we haven't been in any big hurry. Because we know if you get too much information out there, what do we all do with it? It's not the words. We've given all the words. Jim and I won't have to do another talk. Everything you'd ever need to know is on the website already and all the recordings we put up there. Everything. At this point, we're just repeating ourselves over and over. Maybe a little different twist, a little different story, or telling the stories in a different order or in a different way. All we're doing is rearranging everything. But it's all the same, because it's not the words. It's always the essence. And this is an important one for those of you really seeking the pathway home to God. No matter who you go to or what you read, no matter what, just remember one thing, and this I know. It is not the words. It is the frequency from which those words were expressed. Nobody can bring anybody home to God other than somebody who has woken up. Because why? Because that's where their frequency is. So as they express, that frequency is shared and stirs the same frequency awake to those who are open and receptive. Now, all those other authors, and there's so many books out nowadays, they serve everybody. But be aware, if you're on your way to wake up to God, the frequency that is in that book which the author expresses, can only stir awake to you that place in which they are awake themselves. Be aware of that. Pay attention. But now, having said that, you go, all right, I ain't going to read anything out there. I'm just going to do this, right? Well, that may work. I eventually just got tired and didn't have the time to do reading anymore, so it was easy just to do this. And all the other stuff, I realized all the other frequencies caused more confusion than the words themselves. If you haven't noticed, you've been meditating for a while, you probably have gotten a little more sensitive to energies. You know, gee, I wonder why that happens. Because it's part of learning the frequency of spirit and learning the other frequencies of all the other realms. So you come to know that's discernment. Because it's only when you have the knowing that you can make the choice, freedom of choice, right? Well, you don't have any freedom of choice if you don't have the knowing, you don't have the awareness, you're stuck with what you got because that's what you know. But as soon as you all of a sudden you have something else expressed and put out, you have a new awareness. You can make a new choice. But here's the other side of it now after what I just said. As you are in that journey home to God, you may find yourself drawn to different people and books and this and that because that frequency in which they are sharing resonates with the karmic lesson that you are learning in the moment. And so you think, oh, my God, there's something there. There it is. That's it. And you go read that book. You go to that workshop. You listen to that author because it's like 
These are words of truth. And they may only be coming from the astral realm. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. Well, it is because it's helping you to wake up and learn from your karmas in the astral realm. So it's helping. But then guess what happens after you get through those karmas? All of a sudden you go, I could care less about this author or this book anymore. It used to work for me and it was the greatest thing and now it's what? What happened? Because you've completed. You've completed that frequency that was expressed in whatever the words or the actions that were involved. And you let it go because you just lose interest. Sometimes you don't even make a conscious choice. It's just that you are complete now. So there's no more charge pulling you there. And without the charge, it goes neutral. You're now free to move on to what's next. And you go on to the next book or the next author or the next this or that. But eventually you get to the point where you've gone through whatever and you have no more interest and all you want is God anymore. You don't even care about the information or all the other things. This is how it works. Anybody here not ever go read some other author? You've only come to ILM and this is all you've done your whole life? I don't think so. No. And I'm saying this now so that hopefully you have a little understanding because I know over the years, Jim and I have always also said as a cautionary note, pay attention and be aware of all the different teachings out there as well because they can distract you from the pathway home to God. We don't do that as a condemnation or a judgment. Maybe I do, but not Jim. <laughs> I got to give myself something to practice LAF with. <laughs> we do that so that you pay attention, be aware, and learn. Don't enter into it blindly. Do it with your eyes open so you learn what's there to learn and keep moving. That's the key, regardless it doesn't have to be other pathways or anything. It can be family members. It can be jobs. It can be friendships. It's all of that. It's all of it. Learn from it all. Just like we often hear, well, oh, they're my teacher. Yeah, they're teaching me all the lessons, right? Or I'm their teacher. Not the sense as a teacher-disciple. I'm talking about just our daily living and learning from each other. I go, That's what I'm talking about. That's what goes on all the time, whatever you want to call it. The key that you probably hear us say, just maybe as much as we use the word loving, is pay attention and awareness. Because that's where you really learn and grow. That's how you wake up. That's where the self-study part of meditation, self-study, and service comes in. Because you can't, in a sense, do this blindly or unconsciously. It's a path of awakening, not a path of unconsciousness. Well, Brian, now that you said that, does that mean if I don't have any experiences or remember my dreams and meditation experiences, does that mean I'm walking blindly or unconsciously? Maybe, maybe not. What I do know is when you're really doing the action of loving God, just like I was describing earlier where God was bringing me through it all, just took me a while to figure it out. Well, God's bringing us through it all but we may not necessarily be aware of it all. And that's okay. Did you hear that, all of you people who judge yourselves for not having any experience or remembering that? It's okay. God's bringing you through it all. And if you truly have the sincere intention and desire to return home, and you're taking at least some time to love God, that's going to unfold. Even if it's five minutes a day or two and a half hours a day or five hours a day. Every bit you do, that intention, that action, it's not just intention. Intention's great, but you've got to back it up with action. Just like anything, if you want a relationship with anybody or anything in the world, you've got to participate and engage yourself. Same thing with God. You've got to participate and engage yourself. And that's what meditation is. It's not sitting down and chanting these words. It's sitting down and engaging yourself in relationship with God and as you're chanting those sacred names, you're saying, Lord, I love you. I love you. And I open to receive your loving for me. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's the key to this all. If you have no desire, no faith, no intention, no attention, no purpose, 
no nothing, but you sit down and you just start doing the chanting and loving God, something's going to happen. That's why I'm saying the hope and faith and trust, I'm even saying intentions and goals and all that. Even if you have none of that, but you just take the action of loving God, that's going to do more good than anything else. That's going back to the simplicity. That's doing it rather than talking about it, wondering about it, hoping about it, wishing about it, is the action of doing it. And that's the key. Just do it. I talked for a while for not having anything to say in the beginning. You got it. You got it. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we're at that Q&A or sharing part. Oh, I'm not going to do another break since we had one. But, of course, if you need to use the bathroom or whatever, just any time the rest the time we're here, it's just 10 to 5 now. We've got to, you know, we said about 6. If we go later, that's okay. If we go less, that's okay. Just whatever it is. But So we'll go ahead and open up. Um, if you have anything you'd like to share or a question you have, if you would, please just raise your hand and we'll pass the microphone to you. And don't, you don't have to play with the buttons on the microphone. It's on. Just leave it. Just, just hold the microphone up to your chin. Again, we're using the microphones just as a reminder if you weren't here last time. Because we're recording this to be able to put it on the website like we do all of them. Um, obviously, we don't need the speakers because it's a small enough area we can hear each other. But at least this way we can have the recording, you know, to make CDs or to um, for the website and all. So we'd ask if you'd use the microphone just so we can have that for the Q&A part. And if you want to have some level of anonymity, then just don't say your name. We know who you are, whether you say your name or not. Carl has a question. <laughs> His question is, does anybody want the microphone? <laughs> oh, back there where you were, Francis. Oh, Francis. I know, I just realized that. I just said that. Okay, no last names. First names are all right. <laughs> Unless you want to be known, then say it all. <laughs> 